You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just Growing up and even now, I don't know if my experiences fall under astral projection, out-of-body experiences, or lucid dreaming, but I am a very vivid dreamer. I've flown around my hometown while completely in control, watched myself sleep, visited people in the house while I'm sleeping, and much more. Flying for the first time is still one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. I regularly forced myself to sleep in my bedroom with little to no light. I would put on some quiet chill step beats on YouTube, with the monitor off and my lava lamp on. I would do this to show any spirits that may have lived with me that I wasn't scared of them, and my life doesn't revolve around them. I started doing this when I was about 14. A couple years into it, I grew very comfortable and accustomed to sleeping with little to no light. I still do it now to this day. Well, one night, I remember going to bed tired and happy to be finally going to sleep. I had my window cracked, feeling the nice spring breeze, as I stared at my lava lamp for a while until falling fast asleep. The next thing I remember is looking around my room and everything looked like I was in a grayish filter, and anything outside of a four-foot radius was a little fuzzy. But everything was so real and tangible, I thought I had woken up. So then I looked at my bed to stand up, and realized I was already standing up, and saw my physical form still in bed. I then realized I left my body, and my physical self was still sleeping. So instead of immediately going off and doing what I normally wanted to do when I entered that state, I just kind of stood there and scanned my room. I did this for a while. I looked around, wondering why everything was so bleak, and why my lava lamp looks like it was turned off. I became bored and didn't know what to do, and nothing felt right. I couldn't rationalize it. Then, out of the corner of my room... In the darkness, this person-sized shadow crawled across the ceiling. I completely froze. Everything around me got extremely heavy and still 
How long was it there? Was it there the whole time? Am I dreaming or outside my body right now? I just stared at it, watching its every move. It had these gray hands and feet with long, dirty, jagged fingernails. The skin was old, wrinkly, and weathered. It looked like it had on a high neck dress or cloak that covered everything but its head, feet, and hands. It then crawled down from my ceiling onto the wall and reached the floor, like it was stalking me. I then saw its face. It was an old woman with short, curly, gray, wiry hair, sagging gray skin with a couple of freckles, with those eyes that never closed. They were so big and wide and her eye color was pale. She wasn't smiling, nothing to give away what her expression was, just violently eager to get to me. She started slowly crawling and jerking towards the foot of my bed. That's when I started screaming. I yelled at myself to wake up, now. I have to wake up to tell this thing to leave me alone. The old woman never noticed me standing there in the astral world. All she was focused on was my sleeping body. I stood above my face, yelling to get back in my body and wake myself up, and the old woman kept crawling. As soon as she got to the foot of my bed and peeked over my toes, I shot up. I was finally awake, staring at my toes where that old woman would have been. I was out of breath and sweating. My room was pitch black. I flicked my light on, and the one word that shot into my brain was, witch. I couldn't explain it. There was absolutely nothing in my room. I couldn't sense anything. Even when I woke up, I didn't feel overwhelmingly terrified. I just felt like I dodged a bullet or something. I think waking up on time was more of a relief than anything. I couldn't believe what happened and had no idea what it was. And it never happened again. Around the age of six, I moved into this apartment with my mom. I lived there until I was 11. It was a strange building with only two apartments inside, myself and my mom and one. During my time living there, a lot of weird things happened. Lots of fighting and negativity between me and my mom. My mom had two surgeries that were spontaneous. I had gotten heat stroke, strep throat, and chicken pox at the same time while there. We also had a mouse infestation that caused us to move into a bachelor apartment in another house on the property for over a month. The neighbor's side of the building didn't have the infestation, it was only ours. There were creepy feelings between myself, my mom, my friends, and even my babysitters. Well, almost every single night while living there, I would wake up in the middle of the night feeling really, really small, almost like an ant in my bed. The blankets were smothering my small body, and I would slide off the bed and crawl onto the floor, then into the hallway. 
which was literally a narrow space of about maybe seven feet in length that led from the living room to the bedrooms and front door, as well as the bathroom. Once I got into the hallway space, all of a sudden, I would grow. And I would be stuck, almost like in Alice in Wonderland, in the hallway. I was in a dreamlike state because I wasn't fully awake, but would start screaming and crying for my mom because I felt stuck being too tall in the hallway. Sometimes it would be the opposite, and I would wake up too big for the bed, then duck out of the room and go into the hallway, then shrink into that ant size and be screaming because I couldn't find my way. My mom would come out, wake me up, and ask me what was wrong, then take me back to bed. Whenever the topic of dreams has come up in conversation with friends, I have brought that one up and asked if it's ever happened to them. No one so far has shared any sort of similar experience. It's something that has always stuck with me, because it only happened while living in that apartment. Once we moved, it stopped. Another little tidbit that happened in that apartment, my mom and I had an argument one night and I ran from her and hid in the living room behind this big wooden chest. All of a sudden, I heard my mom scream from the bathroom. In this room, there was this huge walk-in closet full of garbage bags full of clothes and blankets, boxed up old toys, bins of wrapped glassware, and my grandfather's ashes were boxed and in bedding duffel bags. Anyways, I ran in there. She then turns to me and her face was white as a sheet and she says, were you just in the closet? Shakily, I said no. She says, a hand grabbed my arm from one of the bags. I slept on the pullout couch that night and stayed out of the closet for days after. Truly terrifying. I'll never forget the creepy, strange, and uneasy feelings in that apartment. It's now demolished. The building that was beside it when I lived there has now been extended onto the lot where the apartment once stood. Probably for the best. I don't really know where to start with this story. I'm sorry in advance if this is all over the place. I've never told this to anybody, and I don't think anyone would believe me. I want to start by saying I'm not unfamiliar with death. I've lost many family members in my life. I wouldn't say I'm particularly attuned to the paranormal or alternate realities, whatever you want to call it, but I do believe in it. I've experienced déjà vu all my life. I am aware that many people dismiss déjà vu with science, but I truly believe these moments of déjà vu happen recurrently. I've had weird dreams and night terrors since I was a baby. My parents say I would wake up screaming and inconsolable. In the last couple of years, all of my dreams have been extremely vivid and felt real. Once these vivid dreams occur, an instant understanding in my deep mind tells me this is a dream. Strangely, I cannot tap into these dreams to change them, otherwise referred to as lucid dreaming. With this information out of the way, onto the story. When I was about 16 or 17, 
I had this really weird dream. I was lying in a bedroom of a place I didn't recognize. I had never been there before, but somehow, I knew I lived there. Suddenly, someone burst into the room, and in this dream, the person was presented to me as my boyfriend. The weird thing was that I'd never seen this person in my life, at least not at that point. He came into the room in a panic and said, Babe, James is dead. Somehow I knew exactly who he was talking about. The dream got fuzzy from there, and I woke up so confused. A few years later, I was working in a fast food restaurant, and there was this new guy, we'll call him Mark. He looked really confused and out of it. I later found out he was just high. I struck up a conversation with him about dogs or something. I don't really remember. We kept talking every day, and eventually, we started dating. Pretty soon, we moved into a crappy apartment. When I was moving my stuff into the bedroom, I got deja vu as if I had been in this apartment before, but there was no way, because I had moved an hour away from where I used to live to a town I had never been to. Mark started making friends quickly. He would hang out with a bunch of high school kids and they would participate in illegal activities together. I never really made any friends in that area, but I still had friends back home. I had gotten used to coming home and seeing people in my house that I had never met before. I spent most of my time alone, and Mark would ignore me to do drugs with his friends. Fast forward a few months, and Mark brings in a few of his high school friends and introduces me to them. This is when James enters the story. James was a high school kid, and to be honest, I never really got to know him. A few months later, James was at my house one morning. He played a prank on us by hiding our TV, but we thought he'd stolen it. He came back later and showed us where it was and hung out for a while. Then he left to sell some weed. I was feeling really tired, so I went and took a nap. Then, about an hour later, Mark burst into our room yelling and tearing up. He said, Babe, James is dead. I was so shocked. I asked what happened. Apparently, the person he was selling to had tried to rob James, and he tried to get away. They had shot through the car window and hit him in the chest. They started chasing him, and he ended up crashing his car. When the police showed up, they thought it was just a car crash, until they realized he had been shot. James died just as they were wheeling him into the hospital doors. This poor kid lost his life over a quarter pound of weed. I got deja vu and was racking my brain, trying to convince myself that this had never happened before. Then I remembered my dream. I was haunted by this realization for months. Mark and I eventually broke up, and I haven't talked to him in about a year. If it weren't for my best friend convincing me that I deserved to be treated better, I'd probably still be in that horrible relationship. This is not the only time I've predicted the future in my dreams, but this is the most significant. It took them two years to catch the person who shot James, and to quote another podcast I listened to, to the man who shot this high school kid, I hope we never meet. And honestly, 
Mark, I truly hope you're doing well, but I never want to see you again. I started dabbling in the occult when I was about 13. I would use a Ouija board with my friends, bought some tarot cards, studied astrology, and it was around that time that I started to just know things. Sometimes I would hear what a person was going to say before they said it. I would simply just know what was getting ready to happen. Once, my best friend had some crazy news, and as soon as I met her eyes, I knew what it was. I somehow knew that I would meet a boy I'd fall in love with that would transfer to my school midway through the year. I also knew that boy would die for me. I once did a tarot reading that indicated a death around the holidays. From what I had read, when you get something that's negative, you should ignore it and not give it your energy. I packed up my cards, saged my room and myself, and resolved to forget it. Unfortunately, a few months later on Christmas Eve, we lost our family puppy. I resolved to also ignore my thought that he was going to die. I'll never forget the day that I met him. I was 14, sitting on the floor of the school gymnasium during gym class, bored, when I noticed the double doors being opened. The school guidance counselor emerged with a boy, obviously showing him around. He had spiked blonde hair and was wearing jeans with a wallet chain. I stared from across the room. He immediately was the most interesting boy in the school. The next day in English class, he sat next to me and had a big name tag on top of a textbook, Jamie. Sadly, over the years, the second premonition started to become a worry. When I became pregnant with my first son, I told Jamie I wanted him in my life when he was sober. It was a hard boundary that would sometimes mean years of silence, but we always found each other again, often in ironic ways, often with perfect timing. Twenty years after that day in gym class, I answered the phone at work. I normally don't answer it. It's actually weird that I did. I was preparing for an important meeting, and that was not part of my job. I wasn't even at my own desk. I was standing by a cubicle and reached for it. The man on the line asked for me, by my maiden name. My eyes flew to the caller ID. It was Jamie's father. I grew up with this man, and I loved him dearly, so the surprise should have made my day. The problem is, I'm a mortician. I was answering the phone at a funeral home. I was greatly honored to have taken care of him. I signed the identification paperwork before he was cremated so that his dad didn't have to. I picked out his urn. It was the last kindness I could give to my longest friend. I had a dream shortly after. He walked through my front door, and I threw my arms around his neck and said, Jamie, I just had the worst dream about you. But then I woke up. I understand grief may be a little more than average from working in death care for so many years. I understood I could probably deal with some of his loss through dreams, but I didn't. A year later, 
I had a lucid dream. I knew that I was dreaming, so my first idea was, I wonder if I can find him. I go on a hunt for a key, find it, and walk down a long row of doors, like a run-down hotel with dark red carpet and dark doors that had been abandoned for a decade. I stop. It's his door. I open it, and he's there. Now, this part is very hard to describe. His physical body lay there. But there was this cloudy, wispy form that was also him standing. The wispy hand grabs my arm and puts me close to the solid face. He's scared, worried, alarmed. He was protective. Don't ever come here again. He shoved me back and I immediately woke up. I felt really uneasy. Is he trapped in that place? I felt like I was in danger being there. Was it really a lucid dream? I'm the expert at exactly nothing with that. I started to worry about Jamie again. A few days later, my sister texted me. I had the craziest dream. I found an old cell phone and dad told me to check it. I listened to the voicemails and it was Jamie. At first, I stopped listening, feeling like I was invading your privacy, but then I ended up listening again, and he said, Hey, Jess, I just wanted to let you know that I was home. I have many dreams that I would like to tell, even one where I saved my dad's life. But before I even tell you that one, let me tell you what happened to me the other night. I've been battling a cold that just won't go away, coughing my lungs out and fighting sleep. For a little backstory, I have a severe case of sleep apnea, so I use a CPA machine. I've been stubborn lately and haven't been using it. My dad always got on to me about it, but I've been living with my boyfriend for a couple of years and have been kind of acting like a rebel. Now I'm really sick and I thought tonight would be a great time to use it. So I put it on and it feels like I never stopped using it and drifted to sleep. I had a dream that I was riding a bike and saw a guy trying to deliver pizza, but five pit bulls were attacking him in a tunnel. At first, I was scared to approach, but then I went to save the man, and then the dogs got angry and came after me. I rode by a place that had people inside and ran in quickly, but one dog was biting my arm and another had my leg. The pain felt so real and the tears came flowing out of me. The dogs locked onto me hard as people came to help and the other dogs attacked. Time passes and a lady whose features I could barely see comes in. The dogs immediately let go and they all ran to her. She tells us how sorry she was and that the dogs are hers. Now I don't know why people weren't more pissed than they should have been, but she left with the dogs and was not charged or reported. I lay in pain, bleeding along with a few others. My condition is bad but stable. A lady came to me and helped me up. I thanked her as she began to bandage me 
and address my wounds rather quickly. Everyone moved me and a few others to the other side of the building to get more help. And of course, when the other door is opened, here comes the pit bulls, back to finish up the job. Everyone ran, and the lady that was helping me let go, and I tried to lean on the wall to support myself as I limped away. But it was too late. A dog had a hold of me from the back of my neck, and I fell to the ground. But then, boom, I woke up in a gray, clouded room. I was lying in a big bed that wasn't mine, and I could hear my dad calling me. I hesitated, but got out of bed and felt myself coming to tears as I approached a door I knew so well. It was my parents' door. I walked in and my parents were in their bed. My dad was up watching TV. He said, I heard you losing your breath again. I told you about that CPA. You have to be careful. After he said that, I woke up and cried. I took off my CPA mask and saw my boyfriend was still up and looked at my phone. My boyfriend didn't know I was fully awake yet, and a thought came into my head to call my dad. I called and luckily he was awake watching TV. He was surprised I called because I only call at this hour if there's an emergency. He said, hello, and relief came upon me as a few more tears came down as I thanked him for saving my life. Of course, he thought I was crazy, but I told him, if that dream continued, I would have probably died, and we all know that saying, if you die in your dreams, you die for real, and I didn't want to learn if that were true. He laughed and said, you're welcome, and that everything was okay. After I got off the phone, my boyfriend and I talked, and he calmed me down. I just told him it was such a strange dream. I'm still trying to figure out if it meant something or if it was just a nightmare. But either way, thank you to my dad for saving me. I started lucid dreaming between the ages of 21 and 25. I'm now 35. This is not something I sought out or intentionally tried to do. I suddenly just had this ability. It began one night when I had a dream that I was in a grocery store. In my dream, I remember realizing that the store I was in was not a place I was familiar with. Because I didn't recognize what was going on, I thought that I might be dreaming. To see if I was dreaming or not, I initiated the jump test. The jump test consists of running and jumping as high as you can. If it was a dream, I would tell myself I'd be able to fly. And in each instance that I tried this test, it worked. For years, this continued. I'd recognize that something was off in the dream and then I would have complete control of what was going on. Nothing stuck out about those dreams. They were what one would consider normal hanging with my then-boyfriend or friends, and flying around or driving. Nothing amazing to report. Then, it happened. I had one dream that changed everything, something I will never forget. It was a late fall evening, the kind of evening when everything is dark before 8 p.m. 
I was driving in a small downtown setting, not necessarily a place I recognize. I was looking for an address to meet up with some friends. I was turned around, and the map quest directions I had written were not helping. This was a time when cell phones were above average, but not quite smart yet. So I pulled up to a church parking lot to call my friends, and I figured out where I needed to go. As soon as I pulled into that parking lot, I felt uneasy. Before I could flip up my phone to find my friend's number, I felt eyes on me. A lot of eyes. I look in the rearview mirror and I notice several cloaked bodies exiting the church. With minimal lighting, I couldn't make out their faces, but I could feel their piercing glares. There was an intense wave of tension I could feel coursing through my body. Before I could really register what I was seeing, I heard a voice in my head say, Run. Flipping my car in reverse, I quickly exited the parking lot. Restarting the search for my friends, I talked myself down. It was nothing other than some people practicing their religion. The darkness outside just made it look creepy. Right? I finally figure out where I need to be and locate my friends. We're all hanging out at the bottom of a staircase of this large courthouse-like building. I started to explain what happened in the parking lot when I was looking for them. While telling them this story, one of my friend's faces went blank, and she looked at me with these dead eyes. Like an inquisitive dog, she slightly tilted her head while she clearly said, They're mad at you. Obviously, hearing this set off an alarm. I could hear myself losing composure. What do you mean, they? While trying to process this, I realized that this isn't adding up. How would my friend have information to make that kind of statement? I don't recognize this downtown area. The friend who just made this statement isn't someone I actually recognize. And then it dawns on me. I'm dreaming. All of these thoughts happened in a matter of seconds. Now, while I'm making these realizations, this friend responds to me. You saw who they are. You have too much control. Before I could ask anything else, I felt that tension from the parking lot creep back up again. I look behind me and I see the cloaked bodies again. They're approaching slowly. But all eyes are now on me. Now, Knowing that I'm dreaming, I leap into action. This is a dream, so I'm just going to change everything. In all my prior lucid dreams, I just had to think of a scenario and I would be able to change the dream, but this time, nothing. No matter how many times I try to change what's going on, I just can't. Okay, plan B. I start manifesting energy to push these beings away from my friends and I. I put us in some sort of shielding dome that I also created with the same vigor. I'm manifesting all of these random things to protect us while I'm trying to devise a plan on what to do. All the while, in my thoughts, I'm questioning what's going on. This person who has been posing as my friend speaks up again. Your subconscious, that's what they're here for. I'm so confused now. I tell her that I don't understand. At this point, she has what looks like a jar of pickled eggs. I don't know. Your subconscious, that's what they're here for, she repeats herself holding this gross jar, 
and I notice one of the eggs is glowing a neon green color. I managed to connect all of the dots at this point. That glowing egg, that's my subconscious. While I'm processing this information, I noticed the cloaked people are now standing at the top of the staircase we're near. They had no faces, only black voids. One of the cloaked folks took a step forward, obviously the leader of the group. The sleeve of the cloak's arm rose. The cloth draped over what may or may not have been a hand, but I got the message. It was pointing at me. At this point, I knew there was going to be some kind of battle. Doing my best to manifest resolutions to this situation, my attacks were being absorbed. We did not battle with weapons. It was like we were sending waves of energy at each other. It felt like giant gusts of wind trying to push back. While this continues, I notice that outside of the sidewalk that I'm standing on, at the top of the stairs were these beings. Everything else had melted away. Blackness surrounded us. Everyone minus this person disguised as my friend has disappeared. You're subconscious. That's what they're here for, they repeated. There is only me battling these things now, though I do have this random person holding a jar of pickled eggs that just so happens to have my subconscious in it. But that's it. All the while, she just kept repeating, your subconscious, that's what they're here for. If I hadn't made it clear, I was losing this battle. My new best friend chimes in again. You have too much control. They don't like that. She repeats this two more times and I put my gaze back towards the cloaked ones. No words were said, but I somehow instantly understood. I wasn't meant to have this much control in my dreams. They want to put a stop to it. I'm scared. I don't even know what this means. It's not like I'm actively trying to do this. As I muster up strength to keep fighting for my subconscious, I see the head of the cloaked person raise both arms in the air. The next thing I know, the jar of pickled eggs is in his possession. I go from scared to completely terrified. I look at the person who was originally holding the jar and again, with the blank expression and tilted head, she says, This is what they wanted. And just like everything else around me, everything dissolves and disappeared. My attention goes back to the others. In an attempt to not give up, I try to send another wave of energy at them, but there's nothing. I tried again, and nothing. I try every technique I've ever used in my years of lucid dreaming, but nothing is working. I no longer have any control. The cloaked beings slowly dissolve away with my subconscious in tow. I haven't had a lucid dream since, until two nights ago. I just recently discovered this podcast and have been catching up. I was thrilled to hear your request for dream stories because boy, do I have some good ones. I am a film school graduate and I did one of my projects in my documentary class on dreams. I interviewed one of our psychology professors about his take on dreams. He was very open-minded and eloquent 
I wish I had saved all his interview footage because he had a lot of insights about the subconscious and also the reality of the dream world. He mentioned a set of books that were popular in his day about different groups of people and their reverence of the dream world. I want to say the books are from the 1970s, but that's all I remember of them. I'm going to share a dream that I had a few months back. I can't give a lot of details about what was happening in my actual life at the time because I honestly don't remember. But that says something in a way, doesn't it? If nothing very notable was happening, why did I dream this? I'll preface this with the fact that this dream was much longer than what I remember. I woke up from it and had the feeling that I was missing huge chunks of time in my memory. So, I'm in an old 1950s Rambler-style house. The inside of the house is very old school, very grandma, if you will. The furnishings are all very drab and brown, clean and tidy, but old. I don't know why, but I remember being in the dream, and something significant had happened. I felt relieved. I go to the window to take a moment. I look outside and see my car a modern SUV. Then I sit down in the old chair by the window and relax. I look out of the window again and am shocked to see that my car is gone. In its place, there is an older vehicle, maybe a 1960s-style sedan, and the whole street is lined with older cars. I blink. It's as if I jumped back in time and am now staring out of a window that doesn't belong. So I stand up and look away, and then back out the window again. Now it's my car. It's modern day. And then it clicks. This is the trick. So I do this several times, looking away, sitting down, standing up, looking out the window, etc. Each time, the view out the window changes, from now to then, now to then, back and forth, until it doesn't. Suddenly, the trick stops working, and I am stuck. In the past. I'm starting to panic, but I can't help but notice a long line of old folks walking up slowly toward my house, in a single-file line, up to my door. Behind them is a large bus. They're coming off the bus and headed toward me. It's as if going up to my house is their daily outing. Can you imagine anything less threatening? A group of elderly people coming for a little visit? And yet, I was terrified of these people. I had this sinking dread in the pit of my stomach that I could not shake. And when I looked into their faces, they are not smiling. It's as if they are intent on one thing, getting to my front door. Internally, I was shaking. It felt like I was watching an intruder walk slowly to my house. I prayed the door was locked because my legs refused to move. The first woman to reach my door rings the doorbell. I don't answer but remain still. She rings again, waits a moment, and then turns her head to look me dead in the eyes. Then she turns and leaves. The next person goes. I hide behind the curtain, on and on. Some of them see me. Others just ring the bell and leave. Finally, my legs start to work, and I decide I need to tell them to head back home. 
but I don't want to go out the front door and meet them head on, so I decide to use the side door. Just as I'm coming around the side of the house, I see a younger man. He is obviously with the old folks, perhaps their driver. He stops me and whispers something in my ear, gesturing to the swarm of old people walking up to my door to have their turn to ring the bell. He says, Do you know what's all around us? I'm mystified and yet I have a feeling this man somehow knows I'm stuck in the wrong time. I want to ask for his help, but he cuts me off and starts to ask me another question. Do you know where the evil is? I'm speechless. Is this a test? I start looking around, in the sky, on the ground. Where is the evil? I don't know where the evil is. Then he takes me by the elbow and is leading me against the crowd, shaking his head. Finally, he stops and turns so that we are looking at the line of people, standing like we are in line too. No, he says, it's him. And he points to an old man far from us, standing in line. He is bald with glasses and is wearing a bomber coat. He is non-threatening in every way, except I am terrified of him. He turns his head as if he can feel me noticing him. As he turns, he smiles, knowingly to himself, and then at me. His eyes lock with mine. And then I wake. I still have no idea what it means. The Dream 101 interpretation is maybe that I am dealing with a fear of death or aging. But I can honestly say I am not afraid of death. I am afraid of messing up my life, sure. But death and aging don't scare me. I wonder if it was almost a lucid dream, since I almost seemed to know I was dreaming, even if it was within a dream. Dreams are spooky. So I can totally relate to Jillian and her experiences with feeling too small or too big in her dreams like in Alice in Wonderland. When I was having my first out-of-body experiences as a kid, that's exactly what it felt like. I felt like I was like rubber banding out of my body and I was becoming like really big and expanding and then becoming really small. I've also had lucid dreams, which... I've described in past episodes where I'd feel like I was this tiny little blade of grass or like a plant or something in this big field of other people that were tiny and there's this big vacuum coming and sucking us up and it's like harvesting us. I don't know, maybe it has to do with, maybe something to do with adjusting to the astral or dream realms since we're dealing with astral bodies, you know, not our physical bodies. Maybe we're like struggling to stabilize ourselves in that form. That's just my guess, but I've definitely been there and I know exactly what she's talking about. Have you ever had anything like that? No, I haven't. The first thing that came to mind was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Probably probably feels like that. Yeah. Just a little miniature version in this huge, huge world 
swallowing you whole. Zelensky, give it a rest. It's Saturday. <laughs> that was uh, one of those staples in my house where, you know, you, you only owned a handful of VHS and that was right. one of them that got watched a million times. I really liked that movie. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was E.T. and Edward Scissorhands. For some reason, those are the only two movies my grandma had on VHS, but that's fine by me. That's so funny. We didn't have either of those. It's funny because they're huge movies. You think we would. E.T. Yeah, E.T. I don't even think I saw until I was an adult. Whoa. I ended up having to watch the uh, the newer one. But they have walkie-talkies instead of guns. <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what I was trying to think of. They yeah. Took out the guns and put in walkie-talkies. <laughs> Uh, for us, it was Honey Shrug the Kids, Mrs. Doubtfire for some reason. Mm-hmm. And That's a good divorce movie, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, Indiana Jones, those three. Very nice. Plus, you know, all the Disney movies. I feel like everybody owned those big box Disney movies. I still buy those anytime I find one that I don't own at the, the Goodwill or something. Yeah, I'm trying to get a good collection going. Nice. Yeah, mine's backed up somewhere in my parents' garage. They don't get rid of anything. Is your... Are your parents either like that, either of them like that, where they just keep everything like a pack rat? Um, My mom more so than my dad. My dad likes things that have sentimental value and whatnot, but my mom will <laughs> just have a bunch of trinkets packed away in her garage. But that, that's okay. I think it's fun to go through that like every three or four years and being like, whoa, I found all of my old Pokemon cards. I have a few holographics in there that I should probably appraise. Yeah, my old school cards from like nice. 2000, 2001, a whole binder of them. My dad has a habit because my mom saves everything, but my dad has a habit when he has garage sales to just throw stuff out there. It doesn't matter how important it is to anybody. He doesn't ask. He just throws it out there and he's like, I don't know. What do you want? What do you want to give me for it? But I did visit them uh, about a month ago or so. And went through the garage with them because uh, they were getting rid of stuff. I found a lot of cool mixtapes that I made and mixed CDs that I made as a kid. Mm -hmm. I haven't listened. I haven't listened to them yet, but that'll be a, a fun experience. Did you make mixed CDs or tapes? I did. I did a lot of that. I used to get a bunch of old techno and trance and drum and bass and all that, and mix them together. I didn't have DJ decks at the time, but I would use like a DAW to. <laughs> edit them together and make my own DJ mixes. Did you also like press record on cassette tapes and record the radio and just record the songs that you liked? Always, always. Yeah. All of Eminem and Tupac <laughs> and Will, Will Smith. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Everybody recorded Will Smith. Yeah. And that one song, uh, Too Close by Next. Oh, I love that song. You're making it hard for me. It was so sexual. The whole song is just about humping. I didn't realize that until I read the lyrics as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I had no it's idea wild. what I was singing when I was a kid. Dude, all our songs that we sang as kids were all about sex. Thong song, back that ass up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in one of the stories I read, the author mentioned, if we die in our dreams, we die for real. That kind of reminded me of astral projection, the whole thing about if you leave your body or go too far into that realm you could just not come back. Have you? What are your thoughts on that, actually? Do you think there's any validity to dreaming or astral projection and then basically becoming like somebody who maybe had too many psychedelics in their brain just kind of gets skewed forever? Has a dream ever really messed somebody up that bad, like permanently? I mean, I don't, I've never heard of a story of that happening. I'm not saying it can't happen, 
But as far as like out of body experiences go, where you actually are leaving your body, I kind of use Robert Monroe's stuff as a Bible where he talks about like you're basically connected to your physical body by this astral core that can't be broken. You can't get stuck in the astral realm. You can always wake up. In fact, the hardest thing is to stay in the astral realm without, you know, waking up. Same with the lucid dream. Staying in a lucid dream is the hardest thing to do because you wake up so quickly because you get excited. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be kind of hard to be stuck in a dream forever or die in a dream and really die. I don't buy it, but maybe there's some stories out there where it has happened, but how would we know? You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. It could just be like how people die in their sleep or maybe people that are in a coma. Maybe that could be some kind of alternate explanation, but that's an answer I don't think we'll ever get. You know, what would be interesting is you're asleep the night that you pass away And then in your dream, you're informed that this is it. You're not going to wake up. You're about to die. And you have a premonition that tells you. And then you just peacefully drift away. I'm sure that's had to have happened. Yeah. One of the stories that I read this week actually touched on that about how a woman basically had a premonition about the person that she would fall in love with, had a baby with them. Obviously, they parted ways, but... She also had a premonition that that person would die. The person did die, and then they had dreams about them meeting them in in their dreams. I think it's crazy that people dream about death and it happens. I think there's you, – you may be right. I think there may be a connection between dreams and death. Could be. I also really like the synchronicities that some people can have in dreams. My mom and sister recently had a dream on the same night that my mom was pregnant. Whoa. So she's going to end up being pregnant? Uh, supposedly. I don't. It's not possible anymore, but oh, never okay, say okay. never. <laughs> Natalia and I, my wife, we have synchronized dreams all the time for some reason. All the time. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what it is. Usually it has to do with our dogs. Our dogs are always in the dreams. Oh, that's sweet. The story that I talked about, they took my subconscious This one was really interesting to me. I've always believed that dream characters and lucid dreams were a part of my subconscious, like they were created in the dream. That's what I've always believed. Um, Not that there were actual Mm -hmm. people or entities from a different realm. I didn't think they were independent beings, but I've definitely had my share of dreams where they felt like they were very real. I've had plenty of dreams where they try to convince me that I wasn't dreaming. Do you have those? Actually, quite the opposite. I'll have a really bad nightmare and then I'll uh-huh. become aware that it's a dream. And rather than going lucid and fixing it, I'll just tell myself, okay, this sucks. Wake up. I'm done. I tap out. Well, actually, what I was talking about is dream characters in the dream trying to convince you that you're not dreaming so that you don't become lucid. It's like they're trying to prevent you from becoming lucid. They're saying, you're not dreaming. You're definitely not dreaming. This is real life. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't know where I got <laughs> that line of thought. <laughs> I, know, but... I, <laughs> I liked it though. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, only once to memory. Yeah, not not very often. Usually there's always some sort of dream guide or spiritual oracle who encourages me to proceed with it. That's interesting. Yeah, whenever they interact with me, It's almost like they're trying to stop me from lucid dreaming. I don't understand why that is, but it is a pretty common thing from what I've read online. I wonder if there are some kinds of negative spirits out there that try to keep us in our lower, lesser frequencies that we're stuck in here in our normal realm, like on Earth, you know, the non-spiritual existence that we live here. 
Because, you know, whenever people explore spiritualism or religion or anything, it seems to really enhance their lives and they level up, so to speak, in life. And there are definitely negative spirits out there. I, I wonder if there are dream characters that are trying to stop us from, you know, meditating, binaural beats, any other kind of spiritual work that we do. Because when we do those, we usually end up having more vivid dreams and sometimes lucid dreams. It's a practice to enhance lucid dreams. I remember the last time I was really on a roll doing that type of stuff. I, you know, was what they say, raising my vibrations. And I had sleep paralysis and that was the one where the shadow person like shoved their finger on my lips to try and stop me from crying out. I really do believe that there are forces that are actively trying to stop us from exploring the spiritual realms out there. Like they're trying to convince us not to do it. It's a bad thing. Yeah, they're just pumping our dream water full of fluoride, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to keep our eyes closed. Okay, so this is unrelated. Just something that happened earlier today. I was sitting on the porch and I was watching uh, one of my neighbors come out of the house and she had like these tights on with witches and cats all over them. And she had this big, wide-brimmed sun hat that was like comically big. And it kept getting in her face. And she stopped, turned around, muttered something to herself and went back home. And then she swapped it out for another hat. But when she came out, it was the same exact hat, but it was only like an inch smaller on the brim. It was just barely smaller. But I guess that did the job. <laughs> Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. I had a weird neighbor, too, at my old house. He, I don't know what his deal was. I couldn't figure him out. He kept to himself, but maybe I'm overthinking it. He had in his backyard, because there was like these chain link fences you could see into people's backyards. It was always pristine. And the only thing he had back there was a synthetic Christmas tree all year round. And what else? What else? When his garage doors open, he would only have like three or four medium sized boxes in the middle of the garage and a shovel with ice melt, and he parked in the driveway. But anytime his garage door is open, he just had that. And he would exercise in his front yard and just do, like, arm circles and lunges and, like, jog in place and go back inside. And he was always coming and going. And if you make eye contact with him, he would just look at you, smile, and then quickly, like, jolt his head away. But his smile was, like, super... uh animated and yeah. it felt warm and exciting but then he like quickly jerk his head away weirdo That's so funny i yeah. love that i love weird neighbors if they're oh, harmless I do too. yeah as long harmless. as they're harmless it's so funny like i love watching this woman because she she does weird stuff like that she's so bizarre she tried to be friends with us but she was picking up that we're not those kinds of neighbors um and then we have like another guy next to her that has classic cars and he'll just sit out there and run the engines all day that's a little annoying <laughs> not a big fan <laughs> <laughs> I like those people with the huge diesel trucks where they blow coal out of the exhaust that is so cool so cool it's so annoying I hate it man I don't understand it we get a lot of that in California believe it or not it's weird yeah we do at least in northern California mm -hmm. they have it out here in Utah also but whatever well back onto the topic of dreams I actually had a funny one Last night, not very scary or anything, but you and I were at an arcade and we kept bouncing around different machines and whatnot. And we, we ran into Nicolas Cage and we were just being buddy-buddy with him. And then he would transform into Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. And then they, they kept messing with us. Like, 
I'm actually Nick Cage. He's like, no, I'm actually Trent. And then he kept going back and forth. Like, this is this guy is cool. Both of these guys are cool. And yeah, in, in our dream world, we're at an arcade playing <laughs> Miss Pac-Man back and forth with Nicolas Cage and Trent Reznor. Like, I would prefer, it's almost like Face Off. I would prefer Face Off with Trent Reznor and Nicolas Cage yeah. instead of John Travolta. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that's what the dream was trying to tell you that uh, there's an existence out there. There's a different reality where it was Trent Reznor instead of John Travolta, and it was a much better movie. Yeah, probably. Maybe we'll split off to that timeline one day. One day. I hope so. John Cusack came in a few times and made a trio <laughs> out of it. It was really interesting. I love John Cusack. He's great. Yeah, I like everything that he's been in. Well, we were going to do the Myers-Briggs thing, but this already ran kind of long. Let's pick yeah. that up next episode for sure. Yeah. And I need to take the test again anyway. So <laughs> There's a couple others that I'll send. We'll, we'll have fun with it. Okay, tight. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening. And this week you have heard I Woke Myself Up by Chandler, My Crazy Childhood Dreams by Jillian, I Predicted the Future in My Dream by Anonymous, The Boy of My Dreams by Jessica, My Dad Saved My Life by Lisa, They Took My Subconscious by Jessica, and finally, Dream Story by Madeline. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you got a story to share, send it over to stories at oddtrails.com. Don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate. It's the best listening experience. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. And finally, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts like Let's Not Meet, Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, and the Old Time Radiocast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.